we go. Recording in progress. So, um, again, thank you for all of you for attending today. Um, again, I appreciate it's not your natural roundtable event where you're going to get bags of information and advice from this. Um, it's more to, to give back to people on the market. So just as a quick introduction, um, my name's Jordan Hayward. I work for a company called Amicus Recruitment um, who specialise in recruiting across the IT sector, specifically within the software engineering space. Um, now, we host a series of live events and also recorded events in the form of like webinars, meetups, roundtables. We have a podcast series as well. Um, and today, this is our next installment of the live series roundtable event. Um, so as I said, my name is Jordan Hayward. I'm a managing consultant here at Amicus Recruitment. Um, I guess maybe a fun fact, maybe not a fun fact, but I'm an Englishman in, the, in America trying to conquer the American dream. Um, how well that's going, I don't know, but it's certainly going. Um, so that's a bit about myself. So I'll kickstart with, um, I just want to go around the room, um, let everyone introduce themselves so everyone knows who's talking today. Um, so I'm going to work left to right. And the first victim is Edsel. So I'll hand over to you, Edsel. Neato. Hello, everyone. Uh, yeah, I'm Edsel Rivera. I am a senior technical recruiter at Crunchyroll. Um, have been with the company for all of three weeks now. Um, so much like a lot of you or people who are watching this, uh, was recently navigating the job market um, and really excited to you know give back and, and hope that this advice can um, help someone land a job. Um, before this, I spent some time at a uh, crypto company, at the boring company, uh, at uh, Meta. So have been around the block a little bit, mostly in tech recruitment, um, but engineering has kind of been my bread and butter. And fun fact about me, before uh, I was in recruiting, I was a middle school band director. Um, so I love kind of taking the approach of teaching back and always looking at things from like a foundational, how people learn um, an educational perspective. So uh, yeah, super excited to be here. Happy days. Thank you very much. You've been, uh, I know we were speaking, you've been in a pretty intense environment at the Boring Company. So um, yeah, I'm sure you've got plenty of, of knowledge from that and then other places as well. So um, no, thank you for joining. Um, David, you're up next. Brilliant. Thanks for having me, Jordan. Uh, my name is David and I am a recruiting manager. My expertise is in startups and I partner with co-founders to identify talent gaps and then kind of create comprehensive plans to address those that both engage new people and also engage the existing talent pool. And perhaps a fun fact of me, I was just kind of thinking on this when, when Jordan introduced himself, uh, I co-founded a university rugby team um, because I was introduced to rugby as a college student and loved it so much. And there was none here in the U.S. And so I went out and started a team. Happy days. Perfect. The Rugby World Cup's coming up soon, isn't it? In the next month or two, I think. Will you be following? I will be, yeah. Yeah. I, I tend to, to, to follow sevens more, but uh, yeah. yeah, 15s is a good good time too. Yeah, perfect. Well, thank you for joining, David. I uh, really appreciate it. Um, Mark, you're next. All right. Hey, everybody. Uh, so my name is Mark Shrem. Um, I, I started out as, a, as an agency recruiter. So that, that was the way that I had started out, sort of like what Jordan's doing right now. And uh, 
you know, it was the, the hard knocks. It was really a tough, uh, you know, tough way to kind of start recruiting. But that was that was what kind of catapulted me into um, starting my own company and, and kind of working on my own until a certain point where, um, you know, for personal reasons, I, I started, uh, you know, working for companies more like, you know, just full time for companies where I, I just really got to enjoy it at a different level. And so I have been recruiting for almost 20 years now. It's been in IT, uh, you know, really uh, the focus has been IT. Um, you know, early in my career, it was finance and fintech. And then and later in the, my career was really just strictly financial companies. I just found it to be a lot more enjoyable, um, particularly working at the financial company. I mean, at the uh, technology company. So I just, uh, I really enjoy the environments more. And, you know, so, so yeah, that's, that's where I am now. I've been working uh, with Automox for a little bit over two and a half years now. Um, you know, we are uh, have that look and feel of a startup, but, you know, we have been around for like, you know, I guess it's like eight, eight plus years at this point. Um, you know, we're around 250 person company. So that's, you know, that's what I've been doing these, these last uh, almost few years, you know, just recruiting for, for Automox. Perfect. Do you ever miss the, the hustle of the agency world? Not really. <laughs> Not no? really. Yeah, like, you know what it is. I kind of hustle like that here, so yeah, I I kind of let it. I kind of let it right here like that. But yeah. uh, but I don't. It's it's a level of stress that I, that's it's probably why I left it. It yeah, was because yeah. of the the level of stress that extra, you know. But uh, you know, it's good to be able to you know also like you know work with agencies at the times that I do and know you know what you're thinking and and kind of be able to help in that regard too. So I, I like being on this side of on this yeah, side yeah. of the uh, table. Fair play. Well, perfect. Well, thank you for joining, Mark. Really appreciate Absolutely. it. Yep. Uh, Florence, you're up next. Hello, everyone. Thank you, everyone, for having me and Jordan for inviting me to this panel. I'm very excited to hear with everyone's thoughts um, on the market is here. I've been a people leader in this uh, tech industry, I would say, uh, over 10, 12 years. I've worked in fintech as well, um, just like Mark here um, and many others in big tech, small tech, and also um, in the AV space most recently. Um, been a people leader, leading recruiting, sourcing, operations, immigration, all of it, you name it. Um, but my passion is always about people, um, honestly. And even I feel like my full-time job now is to send people job opportunities and connections um, all day long. Um, so whatever I can do here, um, you know, gladly to be here and to help any way I can. Yeah, no, perfect. Thank you for, for, for attending as well. I know you've already sent me uh, a few uh, people to refer. So um, no, really, really appreciate you being here today. And I'm sure you can bring a lot of wisdom to the talk today. Um, and then finally, Laddie. Hey everybody, I am Laddie Zimmerman. I am a uh, technical sourcing manager for Nextdoor. Been here about five years, but I have a total of about 20 years of recruiting, actually probably a little more than 20, with about uh, 12 of those in tech recruiting specifically, uh, some stints with Microsoft, Nextdoor, and Slack. Um, really, really excited to get to, to be a, a part of this. I, uh, when Jordan contacted me, I just think it's a great opportunity to, to share anything we can share to help folks out because the market is so weird right now. Hoping it, it kind of turns around for, for everybody, and hopefully this will be a help to everybody. Um, I'll say a fun fact that Jordan knows this about me because we chatted about it when we first chatted is um, I've been in an indie rock band for uh, 24 years now. And uh, I've got uh, I've I've got to my credit about five albums that we've released. One of those though I'm uncredited. It's a fun story in and of itself, but I won't uh, I won't share here because 
It's maybe a little insulting to one of my musician friends, but uh, but really happy to be here. Really excited, and um, let's get it going. Happy days. So you've got five albums. You, your band has five albums. Nice. Well, our band has four albums. I I actually I'll, I'll tell it quickly. I sat in on an album that a friend of mine uh, engineered because the guitar player was terrible. So he asked me to, <laughs> to come in and, and play all the tracks because he did not want to spend three months editing the guitar tracks. So I came in and learned the songs and played the tracks in one night. And so I didn't get credit for that because he never told the original musician that it's not him playing guitar. Right, I see. But we all know it was you now. Yeah. So <laughs> the secret's saved here. <laughs> Perfect. Well, uh, yeah, thank you for joining as well and appreciate you taking the time. Um, to, to talk so um yeah just starting off i just wanted to quickly introduce the the topic so the motivation behind it and why i decided to to bring people together so i, I think it's fair to say and i guess putting it politely the the tech industry's been on its ass this year um there's been a lot of down points there are some slight signs of improvement but we're we're not out of the woods yet by a long shot um and I've been speaking to candidates throughout the entirety of this year, some of which I've been in contact with since Q1 of this year, um, who are still really struggling to, to land their next opportunity. Um, and I provide as much advice as I can and where I can. But I basically wanted to sit down with people that are on the other side of the fence, not just from an agency recruiter, but people that are dealing with stakeholders day to day um, or have experience previously doing uh, within those environments um understand what what you guys as as talent leaders look for initially um and see what tips and tricks you can essentially provide engineers with to to ultimately support them secure their next role um so again thank you for obviously joining i know it's not you're probably not going to get the most out of it yourselves, but if it can help people on the market then i think it will be really really beneficial um so I guess I just, it sounds a bit weird, but I really want to strip it back to the the, the very beginning and strip it back to the basics, really. And that's probably just starting with resumes. Um, I, I think we can all admit not everyone's strong suit is writing a resume. Um, there's a lot of different opinions around this. Um, there's a lot of different ways people structure it. Um, some people don't see the value in in putting out uh, the best resume they can. Um, so I wanted to start there. Uh, and I know it seems basic, but I think it's important because I read resumes every day and there's a lot of advice I'd give. But um, I I'm going to start with you, Lade, on this one, because I know me and you were speaking and you mentioned that, and we were talking about, we have hundreds and hundreds of applications come in. Um, and you were saying that you've some of your roles, you've got eight, 900 applications and you are getting through all of them, which is hats off to you. That's a, a really solid effort. But what what do you, what stands out to you? What do you look for within the five, 10 seconds that you're reviewing a resume? Um, yeah, what, what do you look for? Yeah, so um, this is really timely because I just spoke to our interns uh, two days ago about this. And I think, I think what I would typically look for is in, if, engineers or the folks listening to this may not know exactly how applicant tracking systems show resumes, but when you see a resume, you usually only see about a third of the first page on your initial glance. And I won't say this for all ATSs, at least the one that I work in. Um, so that, that real estate, that top third is, I would argue, the most important third. That's going to be the first thing people see. And when you look at the kind of volume we're going through right now, 
that has to land. Like something has to jump out of the page when you look at that. I typically would recommend to folks, you know, if you're a backend engineer and you have four or five specialties, whether it's languages, maybe even a, a project that you can sum up in only a couple sentences, whatever it is, um, tailor it to the job that you're applying to. So if the job is calling for Python, if it's calling for Java, whatever, it's calling for Go, whatever it's calling for, make sure that's jumping off the page in that top third and try and just have a two to three sentence is relevant to that job. So you might have to actually alter your resume for each job because again, you, if you put yourself in the in a recruiter or hiring manager's shoes, uh, uh, Jordan, as you said, I actually, just before I jumped on this call, I had an hour free. I uh, piled through about 450 applications. So every resume gets like 10 seconds to land or I have to move on. And it's not because I don't want to spend more time. I, I just don't physically have the time. Mm -hmm. So as everything you can do to customize that resume to the job you're applying to so that you you pop when those 15 seconds are there. Now, I will spend more time once as soon as that get that initial interest. Okay, now let's get a look at all of the things. And it, it's not just that, by the way because I'm in, in a consumer uh, product, uh, social media uh, company. Yeah, sure, I do tend to look for companies that sort of line up with that kind of experience. But, but either way, I think that you really need to think about that first third of your resume and really craft it as well as you can generally, and then try to customize it to jobs you're applying to specifically. And I know that can be hard because you might be applying to 20, 30, 50 jobs a day. But it really does make a difference because you have to get past that first 15 seconds. And that's really what does it. Mm -hmm. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Does anybody else have anything different or that they'd add to that at all? Yeah, if I could uh, jump in here, I think like the bringing up the ATS is really important. Um, I think that we probably are aware of what like that companies use ATSs, but I also think it's really important to understand how things are parsed in the system and that sometimes there are just technical drawbacks to getting overly like artistic with your resume and doing things like that. Um, so I'm with you, Lottie, like top third, absolutely. But also use that moment <clears throat> to think about how your information is going to be parsed. Do you have graphics? Do you have a QR code? Do you have all these things that like now maybe your information is actually not going to get pulled correctly. And I think you just have to start thinking about like, what is the most relevant, um, basic and informative information that you can put in your resume. And then as a side note, and I think everyone is going to say something around this, like be objective. We have to, we have to see numbers and figures. Data driven is not just a buzzword. Like it is in the fabric of every tech company and engineering. So like, please put objective data and what your specific contribution was on your resume. Um, yeah. No, that's perfect. David, you've uh, lightly raised your hand. Sometimes that helps when there's lots of people <laughs> with ideas. Uh, I was, I was going to just, you know, I think Lati said that, um, you know, maybe you get 10 seconds uh, of, of eyeball time uh, per resume. And that actually corresponds to a post that I saw. Um, it was a study done by Ladders Inc. Uh, they did it first in 2012 and then again in 2018. They used eye tracking uh, techniques to analyze the amount of time professional recruiters look at resumes. The good news is, is that you're getting more time per resume as time progresses. So in 2012, it was six seconds. It's all the way up now to 7.8 seconds in, in, in the last study. 
um, but it is not long. And so again, that that makes that top third crucial to captivate um, two people's attention, right? One one part of it is you have to kind of dumb down your resume sometimes to be obviously relevant to a recruiter like me, right? Who uh, might need some help connecting the dots between what you've done and the company's need. Maybe I don't fully understand the role that I'm recruiting for. That absolutely happens. So it's gotta be obviously connected to me and then also demonstrate depth of understanding in that area to a hiring manager who's gonna look at the resume, assuming I pass it on next. So those are two things. Mm -hmm. Perfect. Um, what about Florence, Mark? Have you? Yeah, I mean, I think these are all amazing points. Um, you know, as you know, as far as like um, a rule that some recruiters will stick to, you know, some will look for a two-page max. I'm not strict on that rule, but something to keep in mind. Sometimes, you know, we're looking for reasons to nix resumes at this stage in the market. So it's like, and it's horrible, but. Um, you know, you just you can't manage all the resume. You know, all everything comes. So you know, sometimes they'll. I know recruiters that will literally more than two pages next done. Mm -hmm. So try to put it in two pages and everything that everybody's saying here is like unbelievably relevant. Um, you know, for developers or for technologists, like I, I would always recommend um, that they are very clear with what their accomplish accomplishments are with the technologies that they're, you know, that we are looking for, like the company's looking for. So if they're applying for a job that requires a certain, you know, let's say stack of technologies, um, you know, be clear about what you've done with those technologies. And, you know, sometimes one sentence can say more to us than the entire page. I've seen tons of resumes like this, like one sentence, like, and I always used to use this in financial, right, Florence? So you'll <laughs> connect with this. But like, I used to tell programmers, if you're, you know, if you have, like, just put one sentence saying, developed a fixed income trading system, a real-time fixed income trading system using Java in a Linux environment with, let's say, you know, Oracle, whatever, right? Now I know that you've done what you've done and with what, what the environment is. And it kind of gives me as a recruiter, as a resume reviewer, what I need to know. Not only that, it also helps every other interviewer out because now they just see it right clear, right in front of their faces. No one wants to dissect your resume. No one wants to, you know, dig into it like it's a novel, you know, um, and it's I think us all and I, I had to you know deal with this at some point, too. You know, it's, it's like you said, dumbing down your resume, um, you know, making sure that, you know, we might be proud of so many different things in our background, but we just have to put our ego aside and just, you know, say these are the things that this person who's going to be reviewing my resume is likely to need to see. And the, the, the job description should, if it's a good job description, it should tell you that. So like, like everyone's been saying, like, make those connections. I like bullet points in resumes. So, you know, just, just a preference. I don't, you know, pass in resumes if they don't have bullet points, but it's easy to look at those bullet points and see boom, boom, boom. So, um, and that first, you know, hundred percent, uh, you know, Latte, that what you said was, you know, spot on. I mean, that real estate is valuable, whether or not the ATS is going to view it that way, that real estate is valuable. It's a pet peeve of mine when I see like skills for like a page and then I have to get to the second. I, I would just absolutely say, do not do that. Um, I get that everyone wants their resume searchable, which is very important too. So if you wanted to like, say, like put these keywords of things you've done in the past, but not, you know, but you kind of don't know what you're going to say about them because it's been like five plus years ago. 
then have an area in the bottom of the resume that's like skills, not on the top where it's just like tons of skills, but on the bottom where it's a nice, neat uh, kind of, uh, you know, um, just a short kind of list of your skills that you're, you know, that, you know, you have experience with. Um, and then that's it. Then you'll at least get picked up there. You can always talk about those skills and be honest about them when you interview. But, you know, just just for picking up the for searchability in the resume and then for uh, when we're reviewing the resume, you know, everything everyone said here. But, um, you know, but, you know, those are like a couple of little preferences that I would say, you know, um, mm -hmm. you know, that I would look for. Yeah. yeah, perfect. No, I've uh, I read resumes every day, and they, I think some candidates feel like they want to just get every technology under the sun or every buzzword under the sun in there, and it's just it's usually counterproductive. So, um, Fl Florence, I think you were going to jump in. Yeah, the only thing I would add to that is uh, something Mark mentioned is show just some some humility there. I feel oftentimes we're so proud of what we do and we feel like everyone should recognize that looking at our resume, but maybe we should just share it with a friend, right? And give us constructive feedback and say, does this make sense to you? You don't know what I do every single day. Does this make sense? Um, and just have two or three friends, you know, take a look at it and say, hey, this doesn't make sense. Have an engineer look at it. Have a non-engineer look at it. Um, I think it's going to be really important to get a fresh set of eyes to say, okay, this would not make sense with someone who's not a subject matter expert, right? So I think that's important. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think utilizing your network, and we'll try and get that onto that a little bit later on down the line, but I think utilizing your network is so important. I think some people get a bit, not embarrassed, but I think they get... They feel they're inconveniencing people to to review their resume or support them or make introductions for them when it shouldn't be seen like that. Lose everyone wants to help everyone at the moment as much as possible. Um, and like you said, getting a second pair of eyes, third pair of eyes, fourth pair of eyes, tenth pair of eyes over someone's resume is just yeah really important. So, um, Ladder, you you had your hand up. Yeah, I just wanted to throw in. I remembered something. Jordan, that you and I talked about uh, when we first talked about this, and I think, and this this encapsulates what everyone just said. I think is think of your resume. It is a marketing tool to get you an interview. It is not a comprehensive list of every single thing you've ever done, because frankly, nobody. It's not that nobody cares. It's just that nobody's going to read all of that on your resume. They just need to understand what makes you qualified for this job. So it really is. It's why one to two pages, even if you have twenty years of experience. You need to condense it down into, you know, what are my five or six things that I can offer a company? And though, though that is the marketing pitch to get the interview, then it can be a little bit more in depth when you're having that conversation and you can find out what kind of projects they have and say, oh, I worked on that at this company and so on and so forth. Um, but but I, that's how you can keep the resume succinct and think of it again as basically a marketing device that's going to get you into the company as opposed to, you know, here's everything I've ever worked on. Yeah. Absolutely, get your foot in the door and then work your magic from there. So, <laughs> Edsel. Just to really quickly add, you know, also LinkedIn, since we're using LinkedIn as, uh, you know, everybody's using LinkedIn just to match the resume with LinkedIn. Um, and then also from when I was applying for jobs a couple of years back, I remember it was somewhat pointless for me to reply to the jobs that had like a hundred applicants because it tells you how many applicants are in the jobs. So I would also recommend like looking for the new jobs and then customize your resume. So now you now you don't have a hundred jobs to to apply to. You really have those jobs that are fresh, and then you can find that time to customize a little more. Mm -hmm. Sorry, I don't know if somebody else done. Was no, but 
All good. No, um, I was just going to put a, a quick little side note here that there's a great YouTube series, <clears throat> pardon me, from Wired called The Five Levels. And to uh, Florence's point, um, humbling yourself a little bit and also to David's point, like being able to um, speak to the correct audience in your resume. I think this vi this video series does a great job of showing um, mastery in a subject through five levels, starting from like a kindergartner all the way through another professional in the field. So if you're thinking about like, how can I find the best fit for communicating that experience, that might be a good um, series to watch, um, just how you communicate things to different audiences and you can put that to written form. That's brilliant. Do you have a link to that series? I will send it right to you. Perfect. I'll share it with everyone after. Um, no, that's brilliant. No, I think some really good points there. Um, yeah, like everyone was saying, it's it's so important to catch the the reader's attention essentially as quick as possible. If people have got six, seven, eight page long resumes, unfortunately, they probably are going to be overlooked um, in most occasions just because it's too much to go through. Um, too long winded. It lists every buzzword under the sun. So. Um, no, um, some good points there. What's everyone's thoughts on cover letters? I'm just always intrigued to get different opinions on this. I, I'm, I, I, it's fine if someone takes the time to do it. I think that is something you can customize to each position. Um, but at the same time, I just, it's not necessary anymore. Uh, frankly, in, again, I'll go to my ATS. Cover letters go beneath the resume. So it is very rare that I actually get to the cover letter. I'm usually making a decision, you know, with, again, that first half to three quarters of the first page of the resume. So probably 99 times out of 100, I don't even see the cover letter. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would agree there as well. And oftentimes cover letters are too long, I believe. And it should be a short paragraph just to talk about maybe five bullet points of their successes in their career. Um, maybe we'll take a look at that. But otherwise, it's just way too lengthy. Might as well just jump to the resume, which is short and concise normally much more so mm -hmm. is anyone back in the cover letter corner are we yeah. all in agreement there <laughs> i never i never i never read them and i would say spend I, that i'm time so curious when the last time was that somebody read a cover letter in this group okay i, I mean I, 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 I kind of read one i kind of read one recently but it was because of I was looking for something, you know, I was like, maybe they mentioned it in the cover letter because I had already like, I liked the resume, you know, and, but it, you know, just, I don't, I don't need it. I don't ever need a cover. I would say spend that time on the resume. <laughs> What's sure. fun is I actually read one today. However, uh, this candidate put, I'm interested in the role at in brackets company name and didn't change the company name. So like, let's be, let's be real here. We're also not really <laughs> catering these cover letters either. And if we're trying to, we're doing a pretty bad job at it overall. So, um, yeah. Is that kind of the uh, interview? <laughs> as a job seeker, I wrote a cover letter. The first one, I, I don't even know how many years it's been since I wrote one. But I'll tell you, I, I wrote it for Discord. And if you've ever seen their company page and the, kind of their, their ethos on the internet, it's fun. It's pretty informal. And it just resonated with me. And so, like, I to Florence's point, typed out a paragraph about like, hey, I think this resonates with me for these reasons. It was short, succinct, and really informal and fired it off. 
I would be shocked if anybody ever read it, but um, <laughs> I, I went against the grain and, and, and tried something new today. <laughs> Bringing back a, an old method into a new approach. Love it. Um, perfect. What I think the ne next point I want to cover is like your approach to a job search. Now I speak to candidates day in, day out. And one of my, one of my questions at the moment, when they, they say, oh, I'm really struggling to, to secure interviews or anything like that. I, one of my first question is, well, what are you actually doing to, to, to try and secure an interview or, or get your foot in the door? And a lot of the time, the answer is, I've, well, I've made a hundred applications every night of the week for the last two weeks. Right. Okay. Uh, what else are we doing then? Um, at the moment, more so than ever at the minute, it's that's just not enough. There's thousands and thousands of candidates doing the exact same thing and standing out from the crowd from that method, it, you're really going to struggle to get your foot in the door, in my opinion. So I'd be intrigued to know if you were kicking off a search or, or make, like David and Florence, you, you're both currently looking at the moment. It would be great to see what approach you've taken initially and then open it up to everyone else. Um, what approach have you taken to, to try and get your foot in the door and just start having conversations with people, whether that's a formal interview, informal chat, how are you approaching your job search at the moment? Yeah, I, I can start. I can definitely say that, you know, networking is my top priority. Oftentimes these applications are not being reviewed. I know many of you are looking at every single resume that's going through your inbox, but that's not happening, right? At every single company, most people are bulk rejecting, right? Because they're getting so many ref referrals, so many LinkedIn requests, messages, things like that. Um, so it's all about networking. I feel like depending on the role that you're looking for, just reach out to that top person and kind of figure out what's that reporting tree look like. And if you already connected with folks, reach out to them on LinkedIn and find other ways of, there's so many Chrome extensions, right? That you can find um, email addresses, social media, um, just be a little bit, um, I would say, yes, be humble, be authentic, and also reach out and try to make a connection for long-term, right? It's not just for that next opportunity, but it's for the future as well. Um, so I've seen that um, give me a lot of success in just thinking about how can I connect with people at different type of companies in whatever sector that I'm focusing on. Um, I think that's the most, the right way to do it because with applications, there's thousands of applicants and it's very difficult to stand out that way. Yeah. And there are two approaches, main approaches to job search, right? Part of it approaches it as a numbers game. And then I tend to be on the other end of the spectrum of there are a narrow subset of jobs that I'm both qualified for and are particularly compelling to me. And what that does beyond, you know, freeing up a lot of time in not applying to dozens of jobs is the ability to go deeper in my research on those organizations, trying to identify who the decision makers are within the department, maybe that I'm expressing interest in. And then looking, taking that even a step further, maybe I've identified the two or three people that are likely to be able to influence or elevate my application in the process, but their, their in-mail box is going to be jammed. So where are they getting less noise and signal? What other platforms are they on? Those kinds of things and reaching out and connecting and expressing interest in. And also obviously send them a LinkedIn in-mail. And um, I think the other piece of it that, is a new realization to me uh, this time around as a job seeker is crafting that outreach in terms of what I can do for them. I used to approach it with, here's all the things I can, I, like 
I, I can do and I've done and all this stuff, but demonstrating an awareness and an empathy for what, what they're stressed about or the, the things that they don't want to deal with that I'm super energized by and articulating that very succinctly has definitely, I think, boosted uh, the responses that I've received this time around. No, that's brilliant. That's brilliant. Do you, would you say you would tailor it towards the individual or the opportunity you've seen or maybe the company or is it a combination of, of all three, would you say? It'd probably be smarter to have a systematic approach, but I don't have one. And, and you know, there's <laughs> different people have different breadcrumbs that they leave about what's important to them or their company and things like that on their digital profile. Um, and so like some companies, you know, in the startup space, I demonstrate an awareness of like, whoa, you just you just announced your Series B. This is a really exciting time for you where you get to hire people that that allow you to focus on something that you want to focus on and, and you hire experts. And I'm an expert in something that you probably want to take off your plate, right? Other people, I'll find something that I, I connect with personally uh, with that individual and highlight that. So I don't have a, a strict mm -hmm. guideline for that. Yeah, more of a case-by-case -case basis on, sure. on the opportunities. Yeah, no, that's brilliant. If I could uh, jump in here, I also think it's really important to um, to clarify two things. Like there is also warm and cold networking, and I think that like um, you know, in my job search, I was reaching out to people um, just as a direct line without any warm introduction or. Um, to David's point, kind of doing that extra layer of research and like knowing you know, do we have a personal thing in common? Do we have like a, a mutual connection that I can be like, hey, do you mind just like floating my name to this person? Um, and I think that like, luckily for us on this call, especially a lot of our network are recruiters. And I think ultimately, like, we all want to help each other out and help people out and help people get jobs and meaningful work. So it like, tap into your recruiter network, even if it's like a secondary or tertiary connection, like it is in, like, we want to help each other out. Um, there's also a bunch of people to follow that have like, for pretty much every subset of like engineering, finance, recruiting, like people have lists of job openings, like find those people. They're not really hard to, to come by. Um, and then the other point that I wanted to make is I think we do a really um, bad disservice of like speaking in absolutes and not really um, thinking about like people are in different situations where they might have, have to desperately apply to things and consider getting out of their industry. And I think like, it is really important to understand where you're at and how you approach that job search. Like ultimately, yes, you want to find meaningful work that aligns with you and uh, is exciting, but sometimes like your life situation might be a little bit more desperate than that. And I think it's like a, a really important thing to call out and that maybe this is a point in time where you don't have to make a career pivot, but like maybe you should also look outside of your industry to bring in income um, and be strategic about it. And I'll give you a prime example for myself. I applied for um, a janitorial position at my local climbing gym. I'm a climber. I would get free membership anyway, so that's cool. But like I wanted to bring in income when I didn't know what was going to come in steadily. Um, and so that's those are the kinds of jobs I applied for, knowing that they would hopefully um, be an easier barrier of entry. And I think it's important to say, like, humble yourself to Florence's point. I can't say that enough. Like, ego is your enemy. Like, be open. Um, so, yeah, I just wanted to call that out. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Actually, I was thinking something along similar lines in terms of when leveraging your network. Uh, don't necessarily get locked into um, 
if you're a software engineer, don't assume you should only be talking to software engineers to help network into companies. Um, I'll give you a quick example. I, all of us being recruiters, I'm sure you all have this when someone's looking for a job, they come to you when they're a friend of yours. It probably doesn't matter what industry they are. They still come to you. And I had a friend come to me who was looking to move from Chicago to Grand Rapids, Michigan, where I live. And uh, he came to me and said, he's a manufacturing engineer. I've never, ever recruited manufacturing engineers. But I was happy to say, come on over, man. We'll sit down. <laughs> we'll, you know, we'll have a beer and we'll see what my network can produce. And in an hour, we found 13 contacts within the area he was looking to live that had something to do with manufacturing engineering. I sent all 13 messages. Three got back to me. One of them hired him inside of a week. So... You know, I have nothing to do with manufacturing. I don't, I still don't even know what he does, to be quite honest. But I just went into my network and said, I'll see if I can help you out. And boom. So, so don't just limit yourself to even software engineers. Think, I think everyone has kind of said it. Think beyond the transactional nature of can you help me? Yes or no. Can you help me? Yes or no. And more so, how can we help each other? What can we do for each other? Is there anything I can do for you? He didn't have to do anything for me. He was a friend of mine. Uh, but, but, you know, if you can find something, as all of you have said, find something you have in common, find something. Uh, another great example might be if you're a senior software engineer, maybe reach out to junior software engineers and offer some mentorship. They might love to hear that. And then you might have an in. And the last thing I was going to say, because I think, I think it was Florence who mentioned this, um, if possible, get referred into a company. And again, this is an example of where if you can, mentor a junior engineer and that junior engineer then recommends you to someone within the organization at next door if you're referred for a position you are 100 percent getting contacted there is I, it doesn't matter if you're not qualified you're still getting contacted because someone took the time to refer you so you know you go from a single resume in an ocean of resumes to a 100 percent guarantee of a contact if you're referred yeah absolutely yeah, I think go to next do door we do it at Automax yeah, too. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it, 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 it's beneficial too because we're, you know, Nextdoor is not, uh, we're 750 people. We're not, I have worked for Microsoft. Microsoft, this was not something that happened. At the time I was there, I think we were 70,000 people. So um, it's a little more difficult to keep up with referrals there. But, you know, again, this can be part of your strategy is target companies, maybe that are under 1,000 people who tend to have these kinds of policies. And it just helps you more. Uh, it just helps you get more and more opportunities more and more, you know, swings at the plate uh, to be able to land your next opportunity. Yeah, and, and, you know, just to add to that, first off, you know, yes, I mean, the networking is like so, is so key. It's just, you know, reaching out to the people you know, those are the, the best chances that you have. Um, but if you don't have those connections, like let's say you just maybe gone through your connections and no one has anything. Um, I, I always say do multiple things at, at you know, at the same time too, don't just try doing one thing. Right. And, uh, you know, so, you know, like you can join, let's say, uh, get on like these discord servers or, uh, like these Slack channels that have like, you know, specialties. If you're like, say like a Golang programmer or whatever, um, or, or let's, you know, you know, I mean, it, it really could be anything. It could be, uh, like, uh, but this, this is one of the questions that's going to come up, but like, you know, it, but, you know, there's like stack overflow, there's GitHub, uh, places to kind of like be active and meet other, um, let's say programmers and just network in that, in that way also just with people that you don't know. So this way you start building a network too. It's a great opportunity, I think, to, to build a network. It gives you reason to reach out to people and, you know, that time, you know, to, to reach out to them. And that's really productive too. And you start learning about new things that you don't even know. You didn't even know were there. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's everything everybody's saying is like perfect. 
But um, just in case you don't have that network. And even if you do, actually, I would say it's always good, you know, that's at that point, just start networking outside of that too. you know, go into the non-comfort zones and, you know, just, you know, uh, just try to enjoy it, you know, just try to enjoy it throughout the process, try to keep positive and, and really just, uh, you know, look at it as like a, a learning process and, and just kind of each time you, you know, you're speaking to someone, you're learning and, 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 you know, just try to make it like a mountain that you're climbing really, you know, make it a positive experience. Yeah, absolutely. I like, we, we, do a lot of like meetups for within the local area that we're in. So I'm in Austin. We um, host and um, co-organize the uh, Python monthly meetup, and I encourage as many people to come down as possible. And it's a, I think a lot of people go in with the mentality of right, well, I'm going to meet a CTO there, and they're going to be the one that's going to give me a job. But it's not always that case. It's you could meet a really well-respected, um, well-liked junior, mid-senior engineer within a company that's growing at the moment and they can refer you in so it's like yeah like you said uh well like everyone said i think it's really important not to just pigeon your pigeonhole yourself into right if they're not my friend or if they're not a hiring manager then i can't i can't network with them it's just about networking with as many people as you can because you don't know who other people are connected to in a sense i suppose so yeah david were you yeah gonna... I, I think I, the last piece that i would add to what you're just saying jordan is also not being tied to an outcome. If you yeah. reach out to somebody and say, I'm interested in this job, maybe that job's already closed. Maybe they don't think you're a fit for it. Maybe, you know, there's all these reasons why. But if you just say like, I'm open to exploring new opportunities with your company, or if you are aware of any opportunities and like making it more open-ended, that can uh, open up doors to you because Maybe their company isn't hiring, but they know of a startup that's hiring or their friend just got hired and, and here's a hot lead. You know, they're, they're looking for Java developers at that startup. Don't tie, tie it to one income. Can you help me with a job at your company, right? Or this job. Um, that could be helpful too. Mm -hmm. No, absolutely. Absolutely. What about like, um, I feel like as the year's gone on, and this may have like evolved over the past couple of years, but interview processes have changed massively there's a lot more informal chats to do with inter interview processes um like stages are getting longer there's more stages to an interview process which isn't necessarily a bad thing but how do you feel like expectations have been uh, have changed throughout um do you think candidates need to to prepare differently for interviews these days and, and how should they be preparing for interviews would you say I think, um, I mean, I, I've, I've been looking at, um, you know, the interest in the, like how much the candidate, and I, and I used to not do this as much, but how much does the candidate know about our company and why are they interested in our company? And I feel when, when our company has resonated with the candidate and it comes out, it's a different ball game. And we're connected throughout the process and throughout, you know, the interview. But when they don't know anything about the company, it kind of is already a flop. It's already like, hey, you know, why are you interested in, in our company? And if they start asking me questions, well, I, I'm not sure. Or, you know, uh, you know, I, I, um, I, I think it's because, and, you know, then I could hear, I could see them reading the job description after I asked them that question. And I, I just, I see it. I know that they're doing it and it just shows. So be prepared and know why you're interested in the company, no matter what, 
Um, you know, some interviewers might be tougher than others with that question, but some will just nix you right off the bat because you didn't know why you were interested in the company. Um, you know, and so, so that's, you know, something I would definitely say, like just people that are interested in the company, uh, or, or showing your interest in the company, I think is a lot more important nowadays than, uh, than, than it, than it has been. I think it was more like I was more focused on their, you know, technical skills, boom, boom, boom. But now we're finding so many people have the technical skills now all of a sudden. But uh, but it's like, you know, are they going to mesh into the, you know, the, the company culture? Are they into this for the right reasons? Uh, are they passionate enough where if they're missing certain things, they can learn those things because we know they want to. They, we know we know that they're they're in it for for the big picture. So I think that all those things, you know, uh, you know, come into play and, and are really important nowadays where I, even though they might have been important back then, I, I think we were more like, OK, for me, it was like, you know, for you know a lot of the, the hiring managers, I, it was more like they have the technical skills. Let's move them forward. But now we're a lot more picky, you know, and we want to see that that proper attitude about it, too. Yeah, um, I would agree with that, that um, we've gotten uh, much pickier part probably because there are more available people, but we're also hiring generally in more senior level roles rather than, than your more junior level roles. Um, I would I would give um, maybe two suggestions. By the way, that was a great suggestion about do your homework on the company. That is that is something that I think a lot of people think, if I can just do the job, what does it matter what I know about your company? But it does go a long way and it does separate you from candidates who think that way. Uh, but I Nextdoor is very big on, on really assessing uh, a person's soft skills as much as their their hard technical skills. So, you know, whether or not you're technically qualified is going to come out in coding challenges and things like that. Um, I think it's good to go into these interviews um, prepared to answer what you anticipate as questions, talk to the recruiters. They should be able to prep you with this is the nature of the interview and this, this is what you can reasonably expect so that you have an opportunity to craft answers and, and really be ready. And, and this is an old, I think probably everyone in recruiting knows the STAR method, which is situation, task, action, result. Just, you know, if, if somebody says, tell me about a project when, know the situation, what you did, you know, what, what the tasks were determined that you needed to do, what you did, and then what the outcome was. And then, and the, the more succinct you can get to those points, the more, again, I'll say a company like Nextdoor, I won't speak for everyone, but, but generally our engineering managers are looking for folks who are just really crisp at giving answers because it means they're likely going to be able to uh, continue to, to develop into even more senior level roles, into manager roles and things like that. Um, so those are the, the I, I absolutely agree if interviewing has gotten more difficult. Uh, uh, we have certainly gotten more picky. So I think if you, the more prepared you come in, the company and, and your past, uh, the better. Mm -hmm. Florence, were you going to? Yeah, I was just going to echo what uh, both these gentlemen just mentioned, but um, just saying that every touch point with the company is a touch point with the company, right? I, I feel like oftentimes before when the market was high and there wasn't a lot of saturation, you know, you think, oh, it's just a recruiter a recruiter call, right? It's just a representative call. But the recruiter is definitely the person who's slashing probably 75%, 90% of the applicants or people that are being talked to. So take every single conversation very seriously. And like both of these gentlemen said, you know, do your research 100%. Make sure that you know the ins and outs about the company, what they're working on, what's important to them, what products they've released recently, um, because that's going to matter because it's not just a recruiter call anymore. It's it's pretty much an interview, right, at the end of the day. Yeah, absolutely. 
Uh, I, w- I wanted to, to add, you know, um, you know, in addition to like just curiosity being a really key component of like what we're looking for, people that are curious in the company, um, you know, one of the things that I, I want to make sure that I, I kind of this piece of advice that I want to give to people is um, when you are giving your answers, you know, this is just going into like, you know, time is limited too. So we're also speaking to a lot of people and, you know, you want to make sure that you're giving the interviewer what the interviewer wants, because you have a limited time. It might be 30 minutes. It might be whatever it is. And so one of the things about passionate, you know, people is they can go off on tangents and they can get lost in the, and then it kind of turns into this like, oh, well, we don't know if this person's right for the role because we didn't get through everything yet. And so my, my recommendation is, and I recommend this to candidates all the time, it's, you know, give your short answer first, and then you can ask them, is that what you were looking for? Or would you like me to elaborate on that? And, and I think that that really helps throughout the process. And sometimes, you know, if it's a yes or no answer that they're looking for, they may not want you to elaborate on that. And that might be it. They just wanted to know, hey, do you have that experience? And so, um, so that's a piece of advice I just wanted to make sure that I, I threw out there because I think it's been very valuable to a lot of candidates, um, you know, who I've mentioned it to, just getting through, getting through the interviews, um, which is, you know, just what I said, you know, just, uh, just, just clarifying, you know, uh, if, they, if that's what they're looking for or if they need something else from you. Um, and also making sure that you are clear on the questions and, you know, asking clarifying questions if you're not 100% sure what they're, what they're asking you. Um, you know, treat the interviewer. I, I often say this. I mean, I think this works at our company. I can't say it works for every company, but I say try to remove the wall in between you and the interviewer and try to start thinking like, hey, it's like I work with this person. We're trying to solve a problem together. The problem is they have this opening. I have these skills. I might have exactly what you're looking for. Let's figure this out together. As opposed to, I'm the interviewer, I'm the inter- this is the interviewee, and I, they're asking me questions, and I need to come up with the perfect answer. It's not like that. I don't think, I, I don't take it like that. I look at it as I want honest answers. I want people being real with me. I want to figure out what type of person they are. Um, you know, and some, some, you know, so as recruiters, we try to make people feel more comfortable, but that doesn't always happen. It doesn't always work. So um, asking these clarifying questions and just kind of, I think that makes a person feel more comfortable too. And just taking that wall away, try to enjoy those interviews. Um, you know, you're meeting people and it really, it, I think it should be a positive experience, you know? So, um, so that's it. I wanted to throw that in there before I forget. <laughs> Mark, what a perfect setup. You landed it just like we planned offline, but no, um, actually I, I, I think like, Mark had a perfect setup to something that I've recommended to a couple of close friends, people that I like know would actually go the extra mile to do it. Um, it's uncomfortable, but you should record yourself as much as possible. And whether that is writing down that star method answer, which I did um, when I interviewed at Amazon, that was the first time that that was like really put into practice, like make sure every single answer you have follows the star method. Um, Record yourself. It's super uncomfortable. Um, David can tell you he produces a lot of content. I bet the first few times watching yourself back was a little cringy, but like it, teaches you and especially for technical interviews like say the stuff out loud get a physical piece of paper and write this stuff down like act talk it out loud like act like you're uh you know role-playing this interview scenario and you're and you're like asking clarifying questions and um when you actually run things in leak code as you're practicing like do say those things out loud and treat it as if you're an interview in an interview. Cause also let's be real. How many times have we heard like 
this person answered the question, uh, but they literally just sat there for 45 minutes and didn't ask one clarifying question and just coded. Um, it helps. And and to, to, to Mark's point, like we also want to make this a dialogue. That interviewer doesn't want to be uncomfortable for an hour. They actually want to help you out and, and solve that problem together. Um, record yourself, write stuff down, get uncomfortable. Like that's the best advice I can give you. Once, once other like side note to all this is there are also boot camps out there uh, as like, you know, we all do professional development. Um, my buddy just did a boot camp. He did not come from a traditional CS background and he did a three month boot camp where he got 15 mock coding interviews. All they did was drill him on data structures and algorithms. He paid a decent amount of money to do it, but he just landed a job at Meta um, and, you know, was able to get a significant offer um, and actually got an increase, which, um, you know, there's a lot of data and reports coming out that like people are skimping on offers. I don't know how much I believe that, but he got a life-changing offer for him and his family in this market. And like, you know, think about those investments as well. That's brilliant. Buddy, I think you uh, had your hand raised. Yeah, I was just going to follow up on something that uh, Ezel just said, which is, which is um, like, this is new to me in the last like month, but as you're going through technical, uh, technical interviews and you're coding, one great reason to talk out loud about how you're thinking about it is right now a lot of suspicion is being thrown around that people are using chat GPT or some other thing to help them out in coding interviews. So if you can't really explain why you're doing what you're doing, that interviewer is has a possibility of thinking maybe you're using something else. So definitely, I, there was a great call out that I forgot just when you said that. Make sure that you're, if you're sharing what you're doing and why you're doing it, they know that you can do it and not that you might be, you might be using something to help. Oh, that's perfect. That, that is a great point. It actually just came up recently too, with people that were using chat GPT and we are um, like, yeah, we were like, now we're, we have to warn these candidates because they're using it to their detriment. And, and it's just, you know, it's killing their interview because they think it's going to, it's going to help. And yeah, if, exactly what Latte said, you know, if, if you can't explain it, then it's just, uh, it's going to just kill you in the end. It's not going to help. No, absolutely. I've always recommended to candidates, whether that's a coding challenge from home or whether they're running through um, a technical challenge in a, in a physical interview. Um, I've always recommended just explain your methodology, talk about why you're taking certain steps within that. Um, this was before chat GPT even, but this is like just to just so an interviewer can get to understand how you th what your thought process is, how you break things down, how you go about organizing your steps to get to, to your end solution. And I've always said like, and I always find this a lot of like hiring managers have told me that it's not always about the end solution. They're not looking for someone to pick out this masterpiece and put together this amazing solution within an hour interview or a three day take, um, take home challenge. It's more about the, the steps you took actually understanding and explaining why you took those steps and then taking on board feedback that you get. Um, I think that's really, really important. Obviously, if you can pick out a perfect solution, then great, do it. But um, it's very rarely the case. So, um, so yeah, no, they're all brilliant yeah. points there. All brilliant points. That, that is a great point I, I, that uh, we at Nextdoor, um, we basically expect people to come up with what we call a brute force solution and then an optical solution. 
And oftentimes inside of an hour, you're not going to get to the optimal solution. So what we evaluate is what your thought process was as you came up with this initial solution and then started to test and maybe debug and figure out how to get to that optimal. Even if you don't get there, it's okay because we understand how you approach engineering challenges. And if that if that approach sort of lines up with what we consider a sound approach, we have, we are just as likely to move forward with you as if you came up with uh, an optimal solution. Read a hundred percent, a hundred percent. They want to see how you approach it, which also says, right, communicate. Uh, don't keep these thoughts to yourself. You know, if you're thinking, and use the interviewers as resources. <clears throat> I mean, obviously, don't ask them what the answer is, but use them as a resource. You know, Try it. they're there. Try to work uh, with them. See, get... see, see what it's like to work with them, and then they get to see what it's like to work with you. So, you know, uh, that that's really what they're looking for. Like, how is this person to be able to work with? And then, like, do they know certain things? Obviously, are they strong enough in certain areas? You know, another way to go in also. You know, not every job is going to be right for you. You're not going to have the skills for every job or you're not going to, you know, other, there might be other candidates in that, in that loop that are stronger than you. So just, you know, be real, be yourself, keep it positive and professional at all times. Uh, you know, cause even though you get comfortable, we have to remember it's an interview. So, you know, don't get stuck in the, oh, I'm so feeling so comfortable with this person right now. I'm going to tell them the truth about my last manager from five years ago, you know, and, you know, let them know how I hated this person you know don't do that <laughs> so no matter how comfortable you get just keep it positive and professional the entire time but be yourself you know i know it's a, it's a little tricky but 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 uh but really just uh you know just show them who you are and talk it through as if you work with them you know that's what that's, that's just you know what i think does work it kind of you just want to be real i think that we want to see people that are being real and uh once that kind of is there it's already like i think 40 percent of the interview in a way at least nowadays, what am I saying? From what I'm saying. No, absolutely, absolutely. Um, I'm all, I'm just conscious of time. I don't want to eat to everyone's afternoons and evenings. Um, so if you're all happy to to remain on for a few more minutes, I've just got a, a, a small piece to wrap up on because I'm speaking to candidates, like I said, week on week, and they're really struggling to secure opportunities. I've been on the, the market for four, five, six plus months. Um, don't know where to turn next and motivation is at an all-time low. Um, what's maybe one or two pieces of advice you would give people that are, are actively job searching at the moment to, to keep motivation levels high, keep positive um, and, and remain resilient ultimately. And I'll start from right to left. Um, so Florence, you're, you're, you're first on the list. Yeah, I, I would say number one, obviously do not give up. I, I feel like, yes, the market is saturated right now, but everybody is an individual and everybody brings something different to the table. Um, again, my my primary advice would be uh, to network, network, network. Um, look at other sectors, right? I feel like the tech market or tech industry software has taken a huge hit, but there's other like pharmaceutical, health tech, fintech, um, also defense sector, right, that are growing and having a, a huge amount of funding. So I do feel like looking into other sectors would be really helpful for folks that are looking at jobs right now who are just more used to software, I would say. Um, secondly, I would say get involved in, you know, these type of meetups, you know, conversations, talk to others, talk to what's worked for other folks, what hasn't worked. And it's all about talking to folks, right? You can't be siloed into your own journey because there's lots to learn out there. So that's my two pieces of advice. 
No, that's perfect. I agree with like stepping outside and maybe what you're used to. Um, yeah, SaaS companies may not be the like the strongest fit at the moment or the strongest option. Um, so yeah, look outside of and do. And this obviously re- relates back to the research that you put in. If you don't research into what maybe a different industry is looking like, where funding's going, um, what VC firms are investing in as well, then you are just going to hit the same results. Um, so yeah, no, I love that point. I love that. Um, Laddie, you're next. Yeah, I, my is maybe not much more innovative than everything we've been talking about. I, as you just said it with network, network, network. I think that what you're going to find is that that frustration of, and I saw this a lot in LinkedIn. Uh, what early in the year when uh, when Amazon Meta and uh, other tech companies laid off, and so many recruiters were out looking for work. Uh, you know, I've applied to hundreds, I've applied to thousands of jobs, and I think I think that would be frustrating because it's, it's doing the same thing over and over and not getting a different result. I, in my experience, find 10 or 20 companies that you really want to work for, whether that's because they are booming, whether it's because they're in an area that you're really passionate about, whatever that is, and really put your efforts towards something that I, I honestly believe will yield 10 times the results, even though you've narrowed your focus by, you know, a hundred times over. Um, it, it, it's motivating to go after the thing that you want, the thing you've identified that you want, instead of just, gosh, I hope I find something. And I know that can be hard advice, especially if you're six months or seven months in. Um, you know, it, it, it maybe is a little, you may have to sort of, for lack of a better term, settle for something. Uh, uh, but but whether, you, whether that happens to you or not, I mean, what, what gets me excited to get out of bed and then, and then you know, then pursue that because that will sort of offset the, the the disappointment of not hearing from the 50 or 60 or 70 resumes. You'll just get one contact at one company that you really are interested in. They will reply to you and that will make all of that go away. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. I think having a list of like companies that you really want to work for based on the research that you've done or the passions that you have is really good. And, and one thing I've found is okay, you might get in touch with someone at one of those companies. They might not have an opening for you, but then they're going to have industry knowledge. They'll know other companies within the same sort of vertical and stuff like that. And they're going to have connections within that vertical as well. So they, and as I said, like people really have, I've been really, really shocked by how helpful I knew everyone would be helpful within this period anyway, but it's just been, everyone's been super helpful. Everyone's been willing to introduce people to anyone that they can. Um, So even if it's just getting on the phone and having that initial conversation with someone, even if that doesn't um, immediately result in a job offer, for example, it might be a connection elsewhere that you can, can, which will lead to an interview and hopefully a role. Um, So yeah, I think, and again, that's, goes back to networking, um, being proactive and, and your research as well. Um, so yeah, no, that's brilliant. How about you, Mark? Um, so I'm going to start with the, like, you know, yes, just continuing, like, you know, just doing things outside the box of that networking, you know, um, just be innovative with your networking. You know, there's not just like, you know, pave your own path. If, if, if you can, you know, find ways that, you know, maybe not everyone's using, but, um, 
But at the very least, if like, let's say you're a software engineer or you're a technical, you know, get onto GitHub and be active there. Like I mentioned before, if you want to learn a new technology, you know, start, you know, being active with it. So just be active in the things that you want to uh, kind of stay up to date with, or if, if you want to learn something, don't, there, there are no walls or limitations nowadays. Like you can learn things. You can actually put like, like we'll, as recruiters look at, not only will we as recruiters look at your GitHub uh, and, and just kind of see if you're active on it, but there are actually tools nowadays that actually pick up on your activity on GitHub. And so, um, you know, I would say, you know, if you're, you know, you know, spending time interviewing right now, that is definitely another thing that you should be doing is being active in technologies that you want to be picked up on, um, on GitHub uh, and other, like, and Stack Overflow and other places. And again, these, these databases are, picking people up that are active on these things. So that is something that I think is important to do. Um, but also, you know, I'm going to go back to like the resumes. I think that is just an unbelievably important part of uh, like getting a new, uh, getting a new job. I mean, I think people make this mistake probably more than anything else. We kind of talked, we talked about it earlier, but, you know, spend time with your resume. You know, I, I'm going to, I'm gonna, there, there was a quote that Mark Twain had said to a friend. He wrote this very long letter to a friend of his. And at the end of the letter, he said, I apologize for writing such a long letter, but I didn't have time to write a short one. And so I think that says so much, you know, spend time on your resume. Don't let us decipher what's in your resume. Decipher it for us, spell it out for us, and, you know, make believe we don't even know what we're looking at. Just, just point it out to us, you know, make it very clear um cater your resume to the job don't you know if, if the job doesn't need to see like all of this experience then maybe don't put it in there consider not putting it in there but if it needs to see this experience and you have it make it very clear to us um you know so i think that use just putting focus in your resume i think and and knowing that it's your marketing tool that is your door you know foot in the door um i think that's like so important because it it's almost like you, you can almost not get anywhere unless you have that and, you know, so make it searchable. Then once it's searchable, make it viewable so that we can look at it, read it, and know you're the right fit. Spend time when you apply to a job, spend time on that. Learn about the company like everyone's saying here, but also, you know, and make sure your, your resume is, uh, is, is a puzzle piece that fits, you know, make it easy on us. So that's what I, I would say. You know, those are two, I think, really important pieces that I don't think a lot of people, every time I speak to people that are not finding anything, and that have been looking, it really comes down to they're doing the same things. They're applying to every job. They always say, I'm applying to every job I can. And then when I asked them, are you catering your resume to it? I would say like, like nine out of 10 times, they're saying, no, they're not. Um, and then, you know, as far as, you know, what they're doing, everyone's doing the same thing. And if you're doing the same thing as everyone else, don't expect to be successful. Um, so you have to do things that are different. And that networking piece, that's probably why recruiters are, are, are pretty good at that. You know, we can network. Um, it's the nature of our, of our work, but everyone has to be doing it. You know, if you're on the job market, that's the way you're going to find the best opportunities. And then something better will come up, something better than your last one. It'll come up. But you got to network. If you don't network, you're like taking away a massive power that you have, uh, you know, to get a really good opportunity. So, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I think the resume piece is just that's all preparation at the end of the day. Um, 
day one that you're on the job hunt, you should be focusing all your efforts on making sure that's mastered, um, making sure it's, like you said, obviously you tweak it to, to the role that you're applying for, but yeah, if you've got the, the core structure there, your tweak should be pretty easy to, to tailor to a, a certain position or individual that you're, you're reaching out to. So no, I, I love that. That's perfect. Um, how about you, David? Stay open, stay open. And I, I don't want to steal uh, Edsel's thunder because we agreed on what he was going to say. No, um, <laughs> but I love your example of like applying for a job that wasn't necessarily where you wanted to, to land long-term, but you didn't, you know, like you're taking care of your needs. And I, you know, was speaking to a dear friend who was like, oh, I got to make this much money in this kind of position. And I needed to be remote, even though I live in a metropolis, you know, with access to tons of companies that are that are hiring in person. And at some point you, you need to, to be open. And there is value in being the software engineer that, that went and waited tables. There is value in the salesperson that went and parked cars, right? Or whatever you're doing, you don't have to put that on your resume, but you might meet people you have interesting stories. You, you can go volunteer for an organization that you care about if you if you are in that space and you can you you can afford not to make money on it, or or discounted you know rate to to an organization that you care about, and stay open because it, you don't have to have line of sight on on where that your next opportunity is going to come from. But engaging in different activities is bound to increase uh, what comes in your direction. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think a lot of people do get pigeonholed into the, the, the big task at mine is where's that next paycheck coming from? Where's my next job? Um, and yeah, I think, I think staying open and like re relating back to like going to meetups and partaking in events, volunteering, like you said, you, again, you don't know who you're going to meet. Um, it might not be the, the decision maker there and then, but it could lead to something in the future. So um no that's that's perfect and then edsel did you is that the same as david your answer or I mean... yeah we were pinging about it so <laughs> that's it we can close it out no i got um i've got uh two quick things like one don't fall into the trap of comparative suffering like uh one of my favorite quotes ever is um comparison is the enemy of progress um it's LinkedIn can be a shining light and it can be like not so much a shining light, uh, depending on um, how much you're willing to refresh your page, right? And so I do think it's really important um, to do the things that are going to move you forward um, and know that it's okay to commiserate, know that it's okay to um, vent. That's important. You have to get that out there. I'm not telling anyone not to do it, but don't fall into the trap of saying like, I am not good enough because this other peer or person got this and I didn't. Like everyone here can tell you 10 out of 10, like timing is everything. You could be the most qualified and like the number one person in your field. But if the job closed two weeks before you applied to it, like you know, it's uh, nothing you can do about that. Timing is everything in here. So all that. And then the last thing uh, that I, I think is really important, um, 
do one thing you love uh, and one thing that makes you uncomfortable every day. Um, if that thing that makes you uncomfortable is networking, practice that. And that could be uh, volunteering and just meeting new people. Um, do something that fills your spirit. I think that's super important. Um, you know, for me, that's climbing. Um, I also wish I did more reading. Um, if that's a thing that you need, escapism is important too. Like do, do one thing you love and one thing that makes you uncomfortable every day. Uh, it will help you grow in both directions. Yeah, I love that. All about self-development and upskilling up yourself. Now that's perfect. Um, yeah, really, really appreciate that insight. So um, I, I've just got one tiny last thing and I just want to open it up to, to the floor um, just for, for anyone that's hiring at the moment. If like, this is obviously going to go out to a software engineering network, um, it may hit other people within other sectors and industries as well. So um David, Florence, I appreciate you're in the, the job hunt at the moment, so you might not have um, anything to add at this point, which is absolutely fine. If you have additional services that you want to offer, please feel free to do so. Um, but yeah, does anyone want to speak about anything, any hiring plans or anything like that or any services that they can offer? Yeah, I'll be happy to give a quick pitch uh, uh, because we do have a number of openings. Um, in engineering, we are typically going to, uh, for, the, for the next about four months, our hiring plan has us focused on back-end and full-stack engineers. Um, we work in a React environment, so any experience with React is plus, but we are really language agnostic, so it's it doesn't matter if you don't have that. Um, we're hiring fairly heavily in our data science and machine learning engineering teams as well. Um, and specifically, if and this is not a requirement, but specifically if you have experience working with uh, consumer products, uh, social networking, uh, social media uh, companies, and you've worked in either their ads or growth engineering groups, uh, that's, a, that's a huge plus. Again, not a requirement, but a huge plus. Perfect. Um, yeah, Crunchyroll is hiring uh, across uh, tech and non-tech. Um, I think, you know, one of the coolest things about where we are today is we're at roughly about 12 million subscribers with a goal of 25 million by 2025. And the only way we do that is scaling our operations. So we're launching um, um, more of a presence in India and Southeast Asia. Um, we are like to, uh, to Lottie's point, we are a pretty language agnostic. We have front end and back end positions open, data engineering, um, kind of all over the map, um, and non-tech positions as well. So maybe, uh, you know, someone in your network, if you're watching this, that is looking, that is not an engineer, um, I'd be happy to try to direct them to the right person. You know, I don't want to necessarily open up the floodgates and make any empty promises here, but um, I do, uh, I will at least try to route you to the right person if I can to get, to get your resume reviewed. Uh, I'd be happy to try to do that. Um, so yeah, Crunchyroll is hiring. We're growing like crazy. Um, we're known as a streaming platform, but we do have an e-commerce site. We do um, also have more of an emphasis coming in on games, live events, music. We are all over the map, um, growing like crazy. So yeah, um, please, please uh, take a look at our jobs page. If something resonates with you and you're an anime fan, that's a big plus. But if something resonates with you, uh, you have the skills listed there. I will do everything I can to write you to the right recruiter to at least get your resume reviewed. Are you sure you've only been there three weeks? I've only been there three weeks, but I'm drinking the Kool-Aid. <laughs> Swimming in it. Perfect. Perfect. 
any Mark or David or Florence, any, any? So, I mean, we, we have, we do have uh, openings, you know, we are hiring at Automox. It's very specialized in what we're hiring right now. Like there's a, we have an SRE opening. Um, we have a, um, it's a director. Uh, well, it's a non-technical opening, but it's a, it's a director of North American uh, channel sales. Uh, so there's that opening. So it won't be technical, but it isn't a technical company. So I guess that falls in that in that category. Uh, we also have a uh, it's a cloud data engineer role. So um, those with those strong data backgrounds mixed with cloud, uh, you know, uh, more like a DBA. That's kind of like geared toward. Uh, you know, that's worked within a cloud environment. Um, the roles are open and on automox.com slash careers. So you can check out all of our openings there. Um, and, you know, if, uh, you know, people can feel free to reach out to me if they have a, a resume that they think is a good fit, you know, definitely reach out to me and, and mention that, you know, you, you saw it over here, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, I will definitely do what I can, you know, what, what I can to help out. Perfect. I really appreciate that. Yeah, same here. I'm definitely open for resume reviews, connection requests. Um, I'm very well connected in the industry here, I feel like, in all sectors. So happy to make introductions or help any way I can with referrals, recommendations, or just looking at resumes so I can set advice. So um, feel free to reach out. Perfect. It's wonderful. Happy to be helpful. And because I come from the startup background, I will say it is a hard time to be running a tech company right now, a great time to start one. And so if you're looking to get into tech, um, a lot of startups don't have the budget and bandwidth to post on the big job sites and especially LinkedIn. So if you wanted to get a lot of bang for your buck, go to some of the well-known VCs. Uh, they will often pull together job postings from their portfolio companies into one spot where you can start reviewing them. And uh, there should be a lot of tech opportunities out there, uh, both technical and non-technical roles for companies that are just getting off the ground. Perfect. That's brilliant. So that about concludes. I could talk for ages, to be fair. Um, there's probably loads more that we could cover, but conscious of time i'm sure everyone's got dinner planned and everything so um i'll let you all go but I, again massive thank you i appreciate this was more of like uh, a session to support people within the within the market whether that be software engineering or or out of tech roles um so yeah i really appreciate all your insights all the advice you've given today and i'm sure it's gonna going to support a lot of people with their job search and hopefully touch wood we can get as many people as we can in, in new positions as soon as possible um so yeah massive thank you to everyone really appreciate it yeah, Jordan, thanks thank so you. much yeah, thanks for doing this thanks no for having worries. us cool. perfect awesome. well have a great evening great end to the week great weekends ahead um and speak to you soon all right see ya okay. Okay. Bye. Bye. Well. thank you bye bye